sooner so we could have heard about the, the, the children's headphones. Um, yes, everyone, I'm wearing children's headphones today because it's the only thing that has a plug. Cord. <laughs> the only thing that has a plug. So this this is not supposed to be in the show, this part, but um, our audio guy does like to have fun sometimes, so you never know what's going to show up. In a world where people strive to conquer the digital landscape, the best leaders are moving forward and planting flags. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast, where you can hear about the thrill of digital victory and the industry's best guidance on how to win with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. And that brings us to our guest today. I have with me uh, today we are in the remote configuration. We were supposed to be in person at the Fabulous Cannon on the west side of Houston. Um, but uh, due to the fact that I am a little under the weather this week, as you might, uh, those of you faithful listeners might be able to tell that I have my morning voice on right now, even though it is late in the afternoon. But nonetheless, we are pressing forward. And I have on the line, as we used to say, I have Lindsay Farrell from WellDrive. Lindsay, thanks for making time today. Appreciate it. Of course. It. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah. And thanks for not um, showing up at the cannon because I wasn't going to be sick. I, I wasn't going to be there. So yeah, it's, uh, it's always fun. So I have to tell, I have to open up this little story about Lindsay and the cannon. Cause, um, so Lindsay and I met a couple weeks ago, sort of, we sort of met, um, a couple weeks ago at one of our legendary OGGN happy hours, which we have now resumed huh? at the cannon. <laughs> And it's and it's Children's Day on the on the Oil and Gas Digital Doers podcast. Oh, by the way, this is the Oil and Gas Digital Doers podcast. I'm sure I probably said that in the intro that I haven't recorded yet, but uh, just in case. So Lindsay and I met um, a couple weeks ago at uh, the the last OGGN, uh, the most recent. I shouldn't say the last because we've actually just started them up again. But the most recent OGGN happy hour and panel event at the Canon. We were in the in the Corva office and, and Lindsay sort of um, kind of invited herself to our panel discussion <laughs> and, and piped in with some fantastic questions. It was really good. I mean, I thought, and I think, you know, Trevor, right. Then you guys, yes. uh, yeah. So you guys kind of had a little thing going, a little conversation going about that, but it was, it was good. I really, it was, and, and you said something. Um, I remember what you said. You said we were talking about data management and you said, I agree with you guys and I disagree because all of this, I can't, I'm paraphrasing, but it was like, all of this doesn't mean anything if you don't have good data or the right data, something like that. Do you remember what, what is yes, that what it was? Yeah, because the question was, um, I think like, what what do you think is the most important part of data management? Um, which obviously was a nice little lob up to, to each of the people there to say, well, it's data governance and it's data infrastructure yeah. and it's, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever, and data security and data this. And, um, and so that each of them could highlight, you know, what, their companies bring to the table, which is awesome. But then there wasn't really a discussion around what, I mean, I guess Trevor kind of hinted at it with the data governance yeah, piece, yeah, but yeah. there just kind of was a glaring, what about the quality of the data? Quality, the quality, well, and, and so quality, data quality is a huge, we all, well, we could just do a whole, we're not going to talk about, well, maybe we'll get to that later, but anyway, I don't want to get, I don't want to get off track. Um, by the way, uh, that's, that's a little uh, shout out there to Trevor Hicks, who was also on the panel. Um, and, uh, he's a Trevor, Trevor's a good sport. He, he does panels, he does podcasts, he shows up and, and does things. So, uh, so we love that guy. 
Yeah. All right. Let's let's get back to the business at hand. What are we talking? Oh, so who are you? Let's talk about you a little bit. So uh, I know that you're uh, you're with this company now called Well Drive. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember how long uh, you've been there, but I think there's a story behind that, right? Yes. So it's been about a year and a half. Um, so I started just before COVID. So um, right. You know, got in just enough to be able to go to one conference and then go home to the office for like a week and then back out on the road and then that was it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. ever since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so right, and and it feel and that year and a half or whatever it is, it feels like about about six months to me. Sometimes it's it all went by so fast. Yeah, it definitely has gone by fast, but I think that's just because I've been having so much fun. Is that, is that what it is? Okay, so that so I got to pause you on that because this is another thing I think is interesting about you before you get into your story, which is that you so you actually have a financial background and you're a CPA, right? Yes. Um, so I'm just going to say, like, as a rule, I don't have a lot of CPAs on the shows because they're not always like the most exciting people to talk to. Um, <laughs> so, so, but, but you also have like this marketing in your background and you speak up at panel events and channel challenge the panelists. Um, and you're something, I think, like the director of strategic growth for WellDrive, which is another type of job that you don't see a lot of CPAs doing. So you're a little bit of a, of a interesting mixture here. A, a Jane of all trades, if you will. Is that what, okay. That's yeah. fair enough. Yeah. So yeah. yeah um, I, it's an interesting kind of story. I won't give you the whole resume, but, um, but yes, I started out in accounting as an auditor um, and then decided I wanted to be specifically in oil and gas um, in-house. And so I moved over to Lynn Energy um, and that's where I was doing really, you know, OPEX and CAPEX accounting and right. actually got pulled over to their ops team as their first real business analyst. Um, they had uh, never had any, I mean, there's only 80 of us when I joined. So it was a small, small group. And um, that's really where I got all my operational learning from. Um, I got my feet wet in the panhandle um, with uh, Jennifer Ofsowitz. She's an awesome engineer who taught me the majority of the things I know. Um, from an op standpoint, as well as all the rest of the team um, back then. And we, um, I, I, not only was I doing kind of learning more about ops, but it was also mm-hmm. really my first kind of foray into understanding all the data movement between different groups um, or lack thereof, I should say. Right. And so um, eventually I got an opportunity to go back to Austin and go work for Three Rivers when they were kicking off um, and mm-hmm. go back over to the accounting side of things. And so I jumped at that. And um, But it was eventually my husband, or now husband, uh, he was not able to leave his post um, at Reliant here in Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I came back, back to Houston, um, which I think was a pretty great choice. It's also his birthday today. So happy birthday, Ryan. Um. <laughs> okay. I think we're going to actually... I, you know, so uh, I think we're going to drop this episode tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. So it'll just be one day late when he gets, oh, to, nice, hear, when nice. he gets to hear the happy um, birthday. Um, you mentioned Houston being a good choice. And I, I think, I don't know this for sure, but I am guessing that you are a native Houstonian because I think you went to Westfield High School. I did go to Westfield High School. Yeah. Um, I grew up, I'm technically not born here, but I am. I was born Brian, uh, um, okay. but uh, have grown up here since first grade on. So uh, Okay. Well, it doesn't count. But I'm, yeah, I'm not technically native, but I I'm, yeah. I am a Houston gal. So that you know, they've kind of changed the. Well, I mean, the definition hasn't changed, but people don't understand it as well uh, because you know I moved here. Um, my family moved here, and I don't even want to say what 
what decade it was because um, I was in high school. And let's just say that, like, like the colors were bright and the music was sparkly. And, <laughs> and, and back then it was very, like, there were a lot more native Houstonians around. And they were real clear that, like, it doesn't matter if you got here five minutes after you were born. Um, you are not, uh, and, and uh, people don't really, under, I heard somebody the other day say, say, oh, well, are you a native Houstonian? And the other person said, yeah, well, I've been here since I was nine years old. So I think that counts. And I was like, no, 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 no that, that does not count. But, uh, but Westfield high school, I got to say, uh, my wife and I actually, our very first apartment, which was also in that same decade, uh, later in that decade, uh, was, uh, right there at the, uh, at, at the corner the intersection. You wouldn't want to live in an apartment over there now these days, but it was at the intersection of Ella and Kirkendall. That's where our uh, first apartment was. It was just that right is literally the, the neighborhood I grew up in. So yeah, yeah. yeah, I was right there at, uh, 1960 in Kirkendall. Right. Um, in Congress of Forest. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, all right. So this is only interesting for the Houston people. So we're going to move yeah. on. Um, Although it's, it, is always it was, it was the, uh, if you watch channel two during Harvey, it was the predominantly featured neighborhood. Um, ah, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah. Two blocks away from where I grew up. So it was sad to see a lot of the devastation. That was, yeah, but... it was pretty ugly over there. All right. So moving along, I want to, I want to get to, I want let's talk a little bit about well drive. Um, I, I do want to get to the main thing that we want to talk about today, because this is the digital doers podcast mm-hmm. and we want to talk about getting digital done and i think you guys have some good stories about how people are just are uh, just getting a real value from their digital initiatives however just as a little bit of background and and what exactly is well drive uh and maybe you know we might do a, a, a tech show episode to dive into this a little bit deeper but just like high level what is well drive all about so well drive is really a data management as a service solution um that combines kind of a a data collection and aggregation platform with the actual service of organizing and correcting and tagging and distributing data between the field and ops, between ops people, between service companies and operator, between um, operator and partner, between non-op partner and, um, and the operator, just pretty much anywhere the data is moving between different parties out in the oil field mm-hmm. or even in the office, we're right there in the middle of it. And, um, we so we act as kind of the, the agent for the operator to go out and collect everything, all the data that's being being produced um, as a well operation is happening, and um, everything from really even the planning stages with some of the land stuff and AFE creation and plats and mm-hmm. um, all the way through then to drilling and completing and flowback and production and P and A, um, the whole thing, the whole well life cycle. We are just collecting. All sorts of data, um, structured and unstructured, from everyone that's producing at all the different service companies um, and operators themselves. And then um, that information gets pulled into our system, and our system does some automated checks to make sure that it's you know the right um, got the right wellheader data, it's the right file type, um, it's complete. Sometimes you know uploads don't go through exactly as planned, so mm-hmm. um, we we'll look for any of those gaps, or if there's just something completely missing. And so right. then, and it's, and depending on the file type, it's, you know, somewhere between a thousand and 2000 checks that typically happen. So it's, it's a pretty, pretty deep review. Um, and then the, when something falls out, um, which is about one in 200, then we have a small team that, um, you know, will do what we call data pursuit and they will go and chase that data down. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's, Something that certainly when I mentioned Lynn earlier, uh, that is something I used to do a lot of 
And mm-hmm. so I'm very grateful for the fact that WellDrive existed and it started up shortly after I left um, mm-hmm. Lynn, but I didn't know about it at the time. Yeah, I, it's been, um, it's been what, like 12, 13, 14 years, something like that? Uh, it's been 11 years. 11 years? 11 years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, all right, so there's a couple things you said in there, which I want to knock gloss over. I don't want to, uh, again, this would probably be better to dig into in the other show, but what you just said about all those different kinds of data that you bring together and, and in this like happy place. Um, and you got your data chasers who are ch- chasing all the stuff to fix. But like, that's like, you said it very simply and very um, kind of matter of fact, but that's actually a huge thing, right? Like that's, that is not, that is non-trivial to have oh, yeah. to, I mean, that's, it's a tremendous. Um, no, it's, it's no small feat. And, and I mean, that's honestly, um, so we kind of got sidetracked talking about Westfield. Um, Westfield. <laughs> Westfield. But, um, was it Mustangs? We, Westfield Mustangs? Was yeah. Was? Yeah. Uh, wow. Westfield I can't believe Mustang. I remembered that. That's, um, that's but yeah, the, 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 which is funny because so many people don't have any idea what I'm talking about. Like they're like West where? I'm like, Westfield. Yeah. yeah. Very large school on the North side. But um, anyway, so the, the, after I left um, Three Rivers, I ended up going, as a consultant to be a BA for a very large operator. And then I kind of ended up down this path of, you know, trying to just verify and compare AFE to Wellview to SAP. Right. And so what, what our cost numbers were because mm-hmm. everyone was, you know, trying to get number of days um, to drill down. Everyone was trying to get costs down. Everyone wanted to be in that like cheapest quartile and so on and so forth. And I ended up actually digging further into the data space because I realized there was a gap in the way that the data was being organized and estimated by operations as opposed to the way it was actually coming in um, on the finance side. So um, supply chain was lovely enough at this uh, company to let me poke around in their e-invoicing system and figure out where the um, workflow broke down. And um, I figured out it was you know exactly between the service company and the operator. Yeah, go figure. Yeah, <laughs> imagine um, they're. I mean, they're amazing. Much to our surprise, that's where it broke down. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so we we worked on a handful of different solutions. You know, e-ticketing was really just taking off. I think people were just just starting to leave paper um, at this time, and so we we worked on a few solutions in that space, um, and we're making some pretty good headway before then the 2014 downturn uh, downturn, and yeah. then you know which yeah. bled into I remember 2015 that. Yeah. and dragged on through 2016. So. Um, we kind of lost a lot of that momentum and, um, but the whole time I just kept thinking, like, I, I got to figure out this solution to make this work so that when things do turn back around, I can jump on that. Mm -hmm. And, um, lo and behold, I happened to run into WellDrive about two years ago. Um, and I was just about at the point where I was ready to just go build my own solution, um, even though I'm not a technical person. But it's like but you're one, a CPA, it, so you can do everything. I'm a CPA, and I've done marketing, and I've done sales, and I've done management. I've done everything except so for IT, pretty much. So. Software development is only just, it's just one more thing. That's all. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but luckily, I didn't have to learn any code. Um, I found WellDrive, and I was like, you are the answer to the question I have been trying to, to resolve for like a decade. Um, and so, uh, we got to talking and, you know, I brought a little bit of my accounting and supply chain side of things and, you know, they've got 
great depth on the operations side. And so we said, man, this, you know, let's, let's do this. This seems like a natural fit. So um, I made the move over to WellDrive. And as I said, it's just been super fun ever since. That is a, that's a great story. I think um, it's interesting that uh, some of these, some of these challenges, like the one that you're describing, which you, which you, learned about just through your own working right and you were like there has to be a solution to this a lot of these data challenges and i want to guess that have been around for decades um we're, we're actually starting to see like like get solved but we're <laughs> like like we've been taught like like i used to say um like if you you know for a long time if you walked into any any into an office of anybody and any operator and if you were to say um you guys got a data problem. Like they would look at you and say something that and I can't say because it's a family show, but involves an old detective that we all remember. Right? right. So like, like, of course we have a data problem. We, and we almost kind of like had gotten to where like we were content with our data. Pro- like we know, we know we have like data problem silos and culture. We have problems in all those areas. Right. And we're just kind of like happy with it, not happy with it, but we're content. Right. And, and now all of a sudden we see people who are coming along uh, after, after a lot of hard work and a lot of new capabilities being developed that are actually like, like making progress on, on solving some of that, which is what it sounds like what you're describing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's been awesome these last few years seeing the digital transformation, you know, make progress um, in our industry. But coming from the consulting world, you have to temper all of that with change management, right? So I grew up, yeah, actually, so I did, I actually grew up in the consulting world. Uh, professionally, I grew up in the consulting world. So I, I was an expert at change management for a long time. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And so when I felt like the first, you know, few years I started hearing about well, big data, big data, big data. And these are all the ways that we're going to get all this data. <laughs> I just, there was a Pydex meeting once where the first one I went to, I stood up and I, after we talked about big data all day long, and I said, so these solutions are all fine and dandy, but um, what about the people in the field who actually have to now adopt and learn all of like these 75 different solutions <laughs> and just put at them? And by the and, way, they don't, they don't want to do it in the first place. Yeah. And then the whole room just got real quiet. And I was like, uh, I'll sit down. <laughs> Yeah. Um, So, but, uh, you know, you have to make it easy for, for people to use, you know, and luckily we're, we're kind of moving in a direction where more people do, you know, their banking on their phone and more people do, you know, deal with email instead of regular mail and stuff like that. So there, as a society, we're kind of naturally moving in that direction and it's helping pull the industry along, but, um, there's still, you know, as you said, like I said, it's a matter of fact and so succinctly, but that the amount of change that's required to like really get behind what WellDrive does and how it's going to change your life. I mean, it's mind blowing. Like it's yeah, just, it, it's it is. no small feat. So, so let, so let's talk about mind blowing a little bit. So, um, cause I, I looked, um, I looked at your, uh, I looked at your website. So you have a nice website. Um, and uh, I always like to pick out things from from people's websites or from their LinkedIn or something where where they make a statement about themselves, and then I always like to ask them about about that about that statement. So on um, uh, on your on your website, and by the way, <clears throat> I know you got you got something like I don't know fifteen hundred, sixteen hundred customers and thousands, ten ten thousand, twelve thousand users, and 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 I saw logos of all the big names were there, right? Like mm-hmm. like like there was there was uh, well big names, small names, all kinds of names, and you had this one sentence that caught my um, attention. 
uh, especially uh, in the context of digital transformation, uh, which is you say that WellDrive connects operators, service companies, and partners in a way that no other solution ever has to put all your well files at your fingertips for easy search and sharing. So if that's true, that sounds like digital transformation to me. Right. Oh, so, absolutely. so absolutely. let's talk about like, how, how does this look in real life? Like in real life, there are people out there, your customers are out there and they're doing this stuff. Um, how is it, how is it changing the, their business model and, and the value that they, that they can get from this way of working? Yeah. So, I mean, the way that we do it in no other, in a way that no one else has is right now you're, you know, engaging with your vendors and your service companies um, through you know, email and through phone calls and, and setting up purchase orders and all that good stuff. But then when the work is actually being done, half people are still working on paper tickets. Some people are using an e-ticketing solution. Some people are, um, you know, they've got their homegrown solution or they're using a third party tool. You know, everybody's kind of got their own way of working because um, they're on their own journey of digital transformation. So they're at varying levels of sophistication. Right. But as an industry, for the most part, we have continued to just accept that email is the way that we're going to communicate during operations. And so we let <laughs> service companies just be like, hey, will you email me that file at the end of the day? Um, yeah. And all of a sudden we have these bloated emails and nobody can find anything. And so then, you know, you have an engineer that's like scrambling to like download every day. Like I got to download these 65 files into this shared file so that then my TA can see it so that they can find the information they need. And then hopefully I could just point someone to that, you know, and, and this is where you grab it later. And then lo and behold, the like one piece of information that someone needed either never even made it to your inbox because it got stuck in your spam filter or it never made it out of your inbox because you forgot to download it. You were sick. I mean, who knows? And so. Right, right. right the what we really do to change the way people communicate is is enabling like we manage all like when we say data management i mean we literally manage all the data for you so we under we get with the operators we say who needs to have permissions um and access to what who needs to receive what information how do they want to receive it you know do they just want to receive reports that summarize like multiple well activity each day do they want um, you know, the full detail, every nitty gritty on the drilling, daily drilling report received every day. Do you want, do you want to provide that to your partners? Yes or no. Um, and then, or maybe you're a non-op, you're overseeing some non-op properties and you want to see all your non-op production for a day, um, mm -hmm. from all of your wells, from all the different right. operators. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, would you like to receive that as a summarized report? Would you like to receive just an alert that that information is ready? Um, if you want that emailed to you as a CSV, so you can just immediately put it into your whatever analytical tool you want to see. Great. We can even right. API it directly to that analytical tool. And so it it really gets everybody moving out of email as the form of communication to a much smarter way of communicating. Yeah. Well, the other problem, right, with email is that um, it sort of forces you to reduce Whatever, whatever information or data you're trying to move between two people, email forces you to reduce it to basically some sort of like static, not that useful format, right? right. You put it in a spreadsheet, you put it in a PowerPoint. I remember, I remember somebody who was telling me this story. Uh, it was a few years ago, and uh, I was doing some consulting with uh, one of, one of the smaller independent operators, and he said, "Well, the and the, the 
you know, you have your operational geologist was giving, like trying to s- exchange information data with wh- like the drilling supervisor, whoever was running the, the drilling operation. And so on one end, like the, the, like the geologist who's, I guess he's like helping steer the, steer the well or whatever. Right. And, and he's, he's, ta- he's doing, he's taking all this data from his system and then he's like, and then he's putting it in a PowerPoint <laughs> that he sends to the, to the, to the guy who's running, who's running the drilling. Right. And mm-hmm. then he like opens up this PowerPoint and looks at all the stuff and then like key punches <laughs> all of that data. Right. Into like whatever the thing was that he was using. And that was like, and, and they would just mail these. Or sometimes it was a PowerPoint. Sometimes it was a spreadsheet or whatever, but they would just email these files back and forth. So, um, I mean, this is the kind of stuff you're talking about, right? Yeah. Where yeah. it's a, yeah, like that's not the, and then they, and by the way, and they were mad at each other the whole time because one person didn't really understand, like, it's like, that's not what I need. I thought you were going to give me this, right? Because they don't speak the same language, really. Right, right. Well, it's the whole, I mean, the whole concept of a data wrangler, right? So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget and, about the scientists. Again, Forget not about to data be, scientists. Yeah, we need not, data not wranglers. Be, right. Yeah. So not, not to be buzzwordy or anything, but it's, um, you know, the, in the data science workflow, you've got to collect the data, then you have to go um, cleanse the data, munge the data, if you will. Um, it's a terrible word, but that's the word that yeah, is used in data science. And yeah, um, yeah. Oh, that one's so been around a long time, even before data science. Yeah, well, yeah. And um, so it's, it's a terrible word, though. <laughs> <laughs> it needs a rebrand. Um, but, you know, so we're going to, you, you need to organize and clarify your data and make sure it's all, you know, tagged correctly and everything before you can even start to try to do visualization and, and analysis, sure, um, much yeah. less make, you know, actual change and take action. Right. Right, and right. so when, when it comes down to it, like there, there's a, an analogy that I tried to run with, um, which I'm, I'm going to play with right now and hopefully Derek doesn't get too mad, but um, <laughs> that's our company president. He, he thinks I'm a little bit nuts, but it's okay. <laughs> um, so when I thought of well drive, you know, of course a lot of people are like, Oh, you mean like, Google Drive or OneDrive or like Dropbox? And I say, no, it's more like a cattle drive. <laughs> and then you really get the weird looks. And yeah. because data is like these cows that's just kind of coming, but imagine like they're coming from all over, right? And so you've sure. got to you've got to corral them, you've got to keep them together, and then you need to get them where they need to go. Well, in in a cattle drive, there is a role called the Wrangler. Mm-hmm. And they make up the back. They they hang out in the back. They literally do all the trash jobs that nobody wants to do. I, I saw this on City Slickers, by the way, so I know exactly. What yeah, exactly, about. exactly. Um, some of our young, younger crowd might not know <laughs> that one, but um, but yeah, then go watch Perhaps. it. For those Perhaps that happens to me a lot on this it. on this show, though. So I'm I'm used to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, it's it's all all the grunt work that nobody wants to do, which from a data perspective is really cleaning up data. Right. Um, you know, or going and finding it. Um, that's what we do. And so that's that's the concept of data wrangling. That's what we go and do. And we do all that that hard work that right. it just right. takes dedication and focus to do it. But we're trying to use as much artificial and actual intelligence to get it done as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, well, somebody's got to do it, right? Yeah. I mean, somebody's got to do it. And it has to it has to be done. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. OK, so let's so let's fast forward to. So we so I think we we understand what it's like actually like in the middle of the cattle drive and it's messy and, and, and people are doing work that they don't want to do and, and all kinds of, but like, let's fast forward to the part where like the cattle, like, 
like arrive and and uh, now they're like being sold at the market so um uh how what how does this change what is it, how does it change the way not just how does it, i mean it's obvious to see how it changes the way potentially that people work but what's the how, how's it creating um it, like is it just time savings is that what we're talking about here or no. what how, what's the impact that it has on the business no and i mean like that's usually where people start um especially from a value prop standpoint is you know how much time is this going to save me doing data entry and a few years back, I did a study and it was like, okay, we might save, you know, one hour per day per well of data entry. And that's really not that much money. But yeah. And you know, that, and you know, uh, by the way, and I know this from my consulting background, I'm sure you know this from the financial world, saving people, saving humans time is rarely a big justification for doing something. That, right. Like it just, it doesn't really ever add up to a lot, especially in an industry like this, where, you know, with the level of capital that we're spending on these projects, right? So it's got to be something more than that. Yeah. And, and I think I, I mentioned this as one of my questions, um, but it, you know, is a, a continuing evolution learning part for me of how do you, how do you value data? And so one way I've looked at it in the past, you know, of course you have the, Hey, there's time savings, but you also have, you know, what's the value of having the right data um, as opposed to the wrong data. And there's lots mm. of horrible examples of, you know, somebody drilled down dip instead of up dip. And that was a $75 million dry hole. That's right. not a good one. That's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty rough, rough day for somebody. Yeah. But <laughs> so, well, so having, having the wrong data is bad um, by itself, but having the right data, when you think you have the wrong, having the wrong, the wrong data, when you think you have the right data, then it's really bad. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, by the yeah, way, I have, a, I have a, I have a, <laughs> a buddy who, a, an old friend who is a uh, 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 geologist, exploration geologist. Well, he actually worked with a lot of smaller companies because he liked to be involved in the whole thing from beginning to end. And so he was, I, you know, I don't remember, he, this maybe was with Samsung when they were small or one of those. But um, I was at his house one day. We're sitting outside on the back porch, like, you know, smoking cigars and drinking rum. And it's a Sunday afternoon. And he says, I got to go. He like gets a phone call and he goes, I have to go. <laughs> And I said, what, right now? Like, what do you have to, he had to drive up to East Texas because, you know, they, there's there's some some gas wells up there, as you know. Mm -hmm. And he said, basically what happened was th the well that his, his team was working on, they realized that they had already drilled, they were dr drilling 180 degrees in the opposite, in the wrong direction. Wow. And and they and they were they were just they were a ways out. Like I don't remember how far, but they were like in the next lease. <laughs> and so oh, so uh, which I think it just somebody was holding the map upside down. But um, but this kind of stuff happens, right? It's yeah. not like yeah, it's it's. it's I mean, not... you hate to admit it because it seems like, man, are those oil and gas people idiots or what? But and we're not. It's just there's so m many decisions that have to be made out of the well site that. I mean, it's easy to just make one small mistake and it totally blows everything. Sure, sure. Well, and that's the thing that people don't always under appreciate about this industry is, um, and it's it's part of why we get criticized sometimes for, you know, being slow to take up the new things and we don't like to change, blah, blah, blah. But the, the amount of risk that's involved and the complexity and the, you know, like you said, this one mistake can, can mean I just like like hundreds of millions of dollars I just threw out the window or yeah and well and then certainly all the safety aspects and everything of course there's there's and always going to be those right. catastrophic events but I think 
nobody wants to ever, nobody ever says, I mean, it's, it's the same thing with life insurance, right? Like nobody ever says, well, I'm going to be that person who, you know, I'm paying for insurance, but it's actually going to have to pay out because something went real wrong. Like nobody ever thinks that's really going to be them. But, you know, we also pay for medical insurance because we all know I'm going to get a cold. I'm going to break an arm. I'm going to do whatever. Um, which by the way, if you haven't noticed, I love a good analogy. <laughs> um, but when are you going uh, to get that one? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, give me another minute. Um, but the, the, let's talk about something that's not a catastrophic event, but you have a well program and you are drilling, you know, a well in 10 days. And so in a month's time, you know, just for one rig, you've got three wells drilled. Well, right now with the way that some of our information comes in, we're not getting true, true verified actuals for one month, two months, three months, six. I mean, there's, you know, it's, it just, it drags out of getting true, true good information. And so by the time you actually get that information, do some analytics on it and then get back to making a couple of decisions, you've already drilled how many wells? Yeah. And then yeah. you have to go, oh my God, I drilled half of a year drilling program with not the optimal vendor, you know, or, right, or, right. I mean, just, and there's so many little things like that that can add up. And yeah. that's where it's almost unreal the amount of cost you could add that you're missing out on optimization. Um, yeah. And that's where, that's where I struggle with that. How exactly do you value that? Because it's opportunity cost, not sunk cost, right? And right. So, Sorry to or accounting nerd out on you, but no, no, no. I'm all about. I, I get, I get opportunity costs. Um, it, it, you know, I mean, what you're describing is um, so people who are working in this, right? Where if you're able to really connect, and this is another thing that people don't always appreciate is when you go out to a well site, it's not just one company out there, right? It's, right. it's, it's like it's people from all these different, like, like, like who, like who, you know. And, and even the people who are operating the equipment that you that you bought from a or that you're that you're leasing, you know, you're leasing equipment from a particular service provider, but the but the people who are operating that equipment are actually being contracted from some other company, right? right. And so so um, so there's a lot of complexity. Be, being able to, uh, if you can say th- something like this, um, really lets everybody, you know, puts puts all the data together. It's the right data. It's accurate. We, you know, we did all the messy work in the middle of the cattle drive, so that you know when you're when all your cattle got to market, they're actually like ready to go. Um, I'm not sure. I'm stretching that analogy a little bit. But, no, I like it. Uh, but um, um, so now you're talking about uh, you know flushing out risk, right? Or avo- maybe not flushing out risk, but you're avoiding risk, mm-hmm. uh, risk of doing the wrong thing. You're certainly reducing it, yeah. Yeah, you're, um, which is a huge thing in this, in this business. Um, you're talking about um, making, uh, you know, uh, making better decisions and certainly avoiding the bad decisions. Um, and, uh, and and maybe, maybe even, maybe it's not so much about shortening the time that a certain person spends doing something on a given day, but what about the overall like cycle time for some of this stuff because if we can shorten cycle times you know at a at a at a broad level then we can really then that changes the economics of that project right yeah and that's and that's where you know it's beneficial to have all the automation that we have now through you know iot and SCADA and everything out at the well site but there's still so many services that are provided oh, yeah that yeah you, you can't you can't make those into structured data, just, 
you know, overnight. Um, and yeah. machines don't run anything just yet. So there's still a lot of this unstructured data that goes into our operations that if you, you know, we have, we, every operator has, you know, their, their morning shift change meeting and they're talking about what happened yesterday and they're trying to change, make small tweak to what, what is happening today. Imagine, right. you know, if you started that morning meeting every day, having exactly having not only, not only the right information, but knowing that you had all of it, all of it at your fingertips and right. all of it summarized and organized for you in a way that there's never a doubt of what happened on your well yesterday. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, that's, that's and it's, and it's everything. Yeah. It's the, it's pressures, it's temperatures, it's depths, it's um, directions, it's, um, you know, even geospatial, you know, uh, location information. It's, um, it's cost information. I mean, it's literally every piece of data tied to this well. Right. And you know that by tomorrow morning, at the very latest, everything is right. Yeah. It's starting wow. to make me sleep a lot better. That's it. What a, what a, what a wonderful world that would be. Um, that, but, that's okay, right. so, and, and, but that's a reality. That's a utopia that WellDrive has created for a number of its, I mean, for all of its clients. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's a, that was the question I was going to ask is, are there people living in that utopia right now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there are. So, so that, um, so even apart from, even apart from the fact that everybody's listening to this right now ought to be looking up well drive because they probably <laughs> could, could, could benefit. But, but I think the, you know, um, the, the bigger, just from the, from the perspective of, uh, we're doing a, we're doing a podcast about, uh, getting digital done in oil and gas, which by the way, one of the, one of the, the, um, incentive, kind of one of the motivations behind why we started this show uh, as kind of a sister show to the to the tech show is I just got tired of reading these like like pundit articles about how oil and gas isn't making enough progress in digital transformation right, right. Um, and it's really easy to sit on the outside and and lob those things over uh, not having a real appreciation for 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 what it is that has to be done. Um, but besides that, I, I finally wanted to say like BS, we are making progress on digital transformation and we're seeing the value. So, um, so that, so that's why I'm real, that, that's why I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not asking you this question, like, because I don't believe that you're, that the people are, but it's, but it's great to hear that, uh, companies are out there benefiting from this type of thing because we've needed it for a long time. Yeah. I mean, we have, we have 1100 different operators and partners, operators and owners that are, receiving this information in a timely fashion, this correct information every single, by, by the end of every single day. Um, and it's, I mean, some of it, some of it comes in clean, so it goes through clean and it's just a matter of seconds. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. you know, the stuff that needs to get fleshed out and corrected, I mean, but at the very latest you'll have it tomorrow morning. Right. right. So, Fantastic. By the way, the, the thunder noise in the background is not meant to be a reflection on anything that Lindsay was saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ominous. We do have some thunderstorms here in yes, Houston. I don't know. Uh, I, I I think we're in different parts of town, so I don't know if there's if there's thunderstorms. There's definitely thunder happening right now. But yeah, no rain. it's kind of it's kind of pot. We have these summertime afternoon thunderstorms. All right, so I'm looking at the I'm looking at the timer here, and it's a little bit hard for me to know how long we've been talking because we had that little interlude. Uh, <laughs> with, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> but, but I think we're at the point where we should wrap up. So, um, well, can, so I, tell can me. I give one one oh, yeah, caveat yeah, yeah. though? Uh, it, I'm shocked looking, that you would say that. Go ahead. I know, yes. about, yeah, about, go ahead. About looking us up on the website. I'm not gonna lie, I did that last year, and a lot's changed since then. And we've oh. built out some new products. We've changed up some of our 
offerings. We've made a few things more robust and uh, definitely gotten a lot more in the um, A&D space with helping people get ready to sell or to you know, mm-hmm. bring in new acquired assets and all of the data related to them. So some of that stuff's not not yet there, um, but you know we're, we're a bootstrapped small company and, and we're just trying to get the word out. So if you're not seeing something and you're like, this girl mm-hmm. just said all this stuff and then I don't see that it's reflected. We'll just <laughs> so, know that I'm the one who's responsible for updating all that. So just give me are. a shout yeah. and I'll, I'll tell yeah. you what I'm thinking. I can see why, I can see why they wanted to hire you because it's like a, it's like a five for one special. Um, <laughs> That's how I pitched it. That's how I pitched it. Yeah. Yeah. So no, actually that was good. Cause the final, cause the last thing that I always ask everybody is uh, you know, how do people learn more about, about this subject, about what you're doing, et cetera. So basically what you're saying is they should call you. Yes, calling me yeah. is the best, um, okay. or Derek Garland, or Miles Mendeloff, or Ed Gibbler, any of any of the well drive folks you see online on LinkedIn, um, will be happy to take a call. Um, yeah, okay. We even I have agree. a twenty four seven phone line, so you can literally call us anytime, day or night, to ask us questions. Um, and that is a, fantastic. A real person will answer. Um, <laughs> There's a real but, uh, founder out there now. Yeah, but yeah. A the, real, so, so a real person will answer the phone twenty four seven. Is that what you just said? Yes. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, that so uh, and you are very uh, you're very easy to find on LinkedIn. I can I can attest to that. So all right, um, Lindsay Farrell, thank you for uh, making time today. And uh, I, I, I apologize that I've had my morning voice on this afternoon, but uh, hopefully hopefully this is all going to clear up pretty quick. No, it's quite all right. I hope you get to feeling better soon. And thank you so much for having me. All right. Come back next week for yet another exhilarating expedition into the very real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry. A production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.